in today's show. We look at the waiver wire for fantasy basketball. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble, on TikTok at RedRock underscore Beeble, and on Instagram at LockedOnFantasyBasketball. Today's episode is brought to you by PrizePix. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code LOCKEDON. That's pricepicks.com, and the promo code is LOCKEDON. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Let's look at the Fantasy Basketball waiver wire as we get ready to start week 15 in the NBA. Warning. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> all right, the most added players. This is over the last 48 hours or so. Um... Jericho Sims is number one. You just made the list. He started over Isaiah Hartenstein. They basically split all of the minutes in their last game at center, which is what we expected because Tom Thibodeau, he's, he can't sleep if he doesn't have a traditional center out there. Like It, it causes him to go ball. Oh, maybe not, actually. It does cause a lot of stress for Tom Thibodeau um, if there isn't a rim-protecting center out there. So Toppen, Toppen and Randall lineups, they just don't exist. You play two minutes of them, maybe. Or one game, it might get hot for five minutes and he runs with it. But otherwise, it's Sims and Hartenstein. And at the moment, it's clearly Sims. So if you are looking for a pseudo Mitch Rob replacement, a points, no, not a, not a points, a rebounds, field goals, blocks, streamer, Sims is there. No problem. A lot of people added Brandon Clark. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. I'm not that into it. Like it's He's all right. What's, what's the upside? Unless Steven Adams gets injured. Zero is the upside. He can be a really good field goal percentage player. He's getting some blocks. There is some use in streaming him in certain punt builds and aggressive two-punt strategies and three-punt strategies. That is all very well and good, right? But as a must-roster guy that has been rostered like 60% all season, it hasn't made any sense to me. And now he's being added again, which again, I guess it's a stream for Sunday, but it doesn't really make a ton of sense. Jose Alvarado is playing pretty well. And I think the most important thing about Alvarado at the moment are the minutes. With all of the injuries, with Zion and Ingram and Najee Marshall out, that is helping Alvarado. So he's a very, fairly solid short-term guy, not a long-term option. While Reggie Bullock, actually starting to play well. It's been a while. We're 50 games in, but he's starting to play well. He's starting to hit threes. Now, of course, he's a points and threes guy. He's not a big as volume points and threes guy as his teammate, Tim Hardaway Jr., but he can be a little less erratic than what Hardaway is. He's in no means a must-roster player, but there are... A couple of extra shots available with Christian Wood out, and I guess some of that Reggie Bullock stuff is streaming for today. This guy's name has been brought up to me a lot lately, and that is Isaiah Joe. Fine. He's been really good. And I, you know I've been talking about Isaiah Joe for, well, not only, not only years. I thought it was pretty silly that he fell to the second round of the draft. I thought it was silly the Sixers never played him. I thought it was silly that the Sixers cut him. Um, and I've been telling you that he's been a three-point streaming option for basically this entire season. But over the last little period of time, he's dominating. Right, the last week, he's a top 100 player. He's hitting like seven threes a game. He's shooting like 58% from the field. And he got huge minutes last game. And it feels very clear that he has overtaken Trey Mann in the rotation. 
But is he a must-roster player? Like, no, he's, he's not. The level of shooting and the level of volume that we're getting from Isaiah Joe at the moment is not something that's sustainable. He's absolutely fine to stream in for the the Sunday game against Denver, which I guess a lot of people have done. But this is not just streaming for today because I've been getting asked questions about him all week because of some of these good explosion games. But he's not starting over Giddy or Dort or Shea or Williams. He's still going to be a 20-minute, 21-minute-a-night guy who will get you two or three threes a game, no problem at all. And that's useful. That's why we say you can find threes everywhere. But everything else that he does and that ridiculously high percentage shooting at the moment and the big minutes is just unlikely. And top all that off, they have a two-game week in week 15. So even if you added Isaiah Joe for Sunday and he has another blow-up game, I don't think there's any point in holding him through. Like, is he good enough to be like, yeah, no, I've got to, I'll deal with the two-game week and then we'll get Isaiah Joe rolling after that? Like, no, absolutely not. It stinks a little bit like the Trey Lyles big performance where everything he was doing was completely unreasonable and there was no way of it sticking. It feels a little bit like this with Joe at the moment. Pressure to Chua, one of the most added players, which is intriguing. Um, last game was really good for him because OG got hurt and Van Vliet was out. So he started to play good minutes and he's been pretty strong. I do not at all believe in Achua as a long-term option, except if there is a situation where Gary Trent gets traded... I could see them starting Achua, playing him 30 minutes a night. The problem with him is he struggles so much with field goal percentage and free throw percentage. He doesn't hit threes or get assists. He can rebound okay. He can fluctuate with defensive stats. Even they're not that consistent. The value in him this week has been five games and even start off the week struggling a little bit, but the last game was great. And he is going to end up being worth it for the five games. As a long-term asset play, and they don't play again until Wednesday next week. Um, I, I don't really see it for Precious, but things could change a little bit if Trent is is gone in a trade. But we've also seen Achua in a 27, 26-minute-a-night starting role before, and he hasn't really sniffed the top 100. Um, Dennis Schroeder been the, one of the most added players. Like, I mean, sure, we know what's going to happen. He's going to go out there and have a couple of big games, and then he's going to go out there and score six points on seven shots. And while guys like Walker and Reeves are out, and of course, Davis are out. There are more opportunities. There is no long-term value here in Schroeder. And Biombo, one of the most added players, well, that's just because John Rayton was out. He had a great game on Saturday. Um, he's probably going to start again. We've seen this time and time again. Ayton's dealing with an illness. It shouldn't be long-term. So the Biombo ad is literally just a short-term situation. Today's episode is brought to you by PrizePix. PrizePix is daily fantasy, but it's not the daily fantasy you might remember. It's not salary caps. It's not you up against thousands of people. It's just you one-on-one versus player projection. So you might see Bismack Biombo and see, well, here they've got seven and a half rebounds. Without Aiden, he can go double digits. I'll say more. Or you might say Isaiah Joe, three-pointers, two and a half. Yeah, that Joe, he's bombing him in. Let's go more than that as well. You can get between two to six of those individual player projections, put them into one lineup and win up to 25 times your entry fee back. You can do it in over 30 US states. You can do it in most of Canada. And you can do these entries in under 60 seconds. It's not just the NBA, though. You can do it for the NFL and the playoffs, college basketball, both women's and men's. You can do it for NASCAR, golf, cricket, boxing, MMA, and, of course, the GOAT, Disc Golf. Download the PricePix app or go to pricepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code LOCKEDON. If you deposit $100, PricePix will give you $100. If you deposit $50, PricePix will give you $50. Don't forget to enter the promo code LOCKEDON at sign up for an instant deposit match of up to $100. Let's look at the most dropped players now. And some of these names, they do surprise me a little bit. 
Number one on this list is Najee Marshall. Okay. I, I get it that he's been out the last couple of games, but that's a little bit a little bit weird. I guess people are looking at it and go, oh my God, toe soreness. New Orleans and their toes. There's no way. He's coming back next year. There's no problem with this. I'm, I'm done with him. It's a little confusing to me. Yes, I, I did think that he was going to lose value when Ingram returns, whenever the hell that is. Apparently, it's looking like Saturday for Ingram. That's they He practiced today. Um, this is an Ingram diversion. He practiced today. Then they have a back-to-back. Then they practice again Thursday. And then he maybe he returns Saturday. It's only been two months for an injury that no one knows what it is. So that's great. We, we love that information. Um, but I guess that's why people are dropping Marshall. I don't think it would have been so quick to do it. Tony Warren, no worries. The Warren, Curry, Harris, O'Neal nonsense in Brooklyn is back and forth every game. Warren's probably the only one who hasn't really blown up. I think he had one 20-point game without Durant. But yeah, cool. Move on. Andrew Nembhard. We thought there would be... What we thought, right, is we thought looking at that game that Nembhard had against the Warriors, don't look into it. Like We look at it and go, this is not going to happen. Because in that game, McConnell and Duarte were both out as well. All right, that, that is all true. We thought there was a little bit more usage coming, a little bit more ball handling, but apparently not. He's just playing the same low usage role. There are some more assists there. I think I still would hold Nempard in definitely every 14-team league, and I'll hold him in a lot of 12-team leagues, but the situation for him with Halliburton out is not the same as it was earlier in the season when Halliburton was out. It is a little bit wild to have dropped him so quickly, but you know, I, I wouldn't have done it, I don't think, but I get it. Terrence Mann, yeah, look, fine. We took a flyer, starting point guard, some okay numbers, sort of not working particularly well at the moment. Um, you know, whenever you see a situation where you know fewer minutes than Reggie Jackson, that should always bring up uh, alarm bells. So yeah, absolutely move on there. Grayson Allen, he's only ever going to be a streamer. Um, the Wizard of Nas, Nas Reed, Nas Reed. Um, yeah, look, as soon as Gobert is back, Reed's not going to have value, but. The reason, again, this is, it's like some people drop players for punishment. Hey, you screwed up last game. I'm dropping you. All right. Look, we've got to look at the reason. We don't just have to look at the result. Why did Reed play poorly? Well, he had like five fouls in 18 minutes. So is that a replicable thing? I guess with Reed, you can say yes, because that's what's happened. But we've also saw you know, three weeks ago when Gobert was out and Reed was putting up just gigantic numbers because he didn't get in foul trouble. So the process behind having Reed is still there. Like stuff is going to happen. He's not getting benched. He's not not scoring. He's not not hitting shots or getting usage. None of that is true. He just couldn't stay on the court because you know fouling out is one of the dumbest things in the NBA. So I don't really get that. Now, as soon as Gobert is back, sure, no worries, move on. But we're not there yet. Also, don't understand dropping Dennis Smith Jr. Like, yes, he didn't start, but he played 28 minutes off the bench despite having four fouls in 18 minutes. And, like, is he going to blow all the way up and play 39 minutes a night? Probably not. But he might have played 30 off the bench. He's still, you know, he could have a 10-5-6 and six game with two steals and a block the very next game. And they have the best schedule of the week, four quality games next week for the Hornets. I definitely would not have dropped Dennis Smith Jr. I don't know when Lamelo's back, but I don't care. I wouldn't have dropped Dennis Smith Jr. Now, when Lamelo is back, then yes, I would immediately drop him. But I would not have dropped him after that performance. And Trey Lyles, yeah, that doesn't need explanation. He's bad. And that little run uh, fooled people into believing that he was good. So see you later. Big Trey. Let's look at some droppable players. These guys are all guys who are rostered in too many leagues, in my opinion. And they don't need to be. So if we're looking at category league stuff, I don't think you need to hold Lou Dort. Now, Lou Dort's had a nice little run of things. But much like a player like a DeAndre Hunter, who's not on this list but could be on this list, they can score, 
but it requires 55% shooting because there's nothing else that they do. And they can be so negatively impactful that when the shots go in at 40% instead of 50%, well, then the value of that volume hurts you more than it helps you in the points category. And they just don't do enough. He doesn't rebound or assist or steal or block or hit big volume threes or any of that stuff. So he's not a must-roster 12-team player. Marcus Morris is just flat useless. That's not the right word. Useless, I guess. Uninspiring, low upside. Why are we holding, I guess, is the point with Marcus Morris. Benedict Matherin, well, again, it's like Dort. It's empty points. Yes, last game for him was very, very good. All right, he played a lot of minutes and scored well and great free throws, but he still hurts field goals. He never gets steals or blocks or rebounds or assists. His three-pointers are actually up and down. They're not that particularly strong. I just don't think that he's a must-roster player. Yes, we might see things move on for him and improve later in the season, but I'm not sure that they do. This is not a case of this is a guy in college who was racking up all these numbers right across the board and hasn't really come in the NBA. Because it wasn't the case. This is sort of who he was, and that's how his, all these translations came across. Wenyan Gabriel, look, there's absolutely no reason, I don't think, to have him as a must-roster 12-team league player. He is rostered in a lot of leagues. He doesn't need to be. Davis could return this week, so no, no need there. If you look at... Um, Points leagues. I think this goes for categories as well. Tom Bryant's not a must-roster player at all. Contavious Caldwell-Pope, he is probably a 12-team league guy in categories. In a points league, though, there's just not enough there. There's not enough volume. His value gets by on threes and steals and hitting 48% of his threes, which for points leagues means nothing. You don't care. So why would you care about rostering KCP? You don't need to. Uh, Jared Vanderbilt-Bar. Can, I guess you can squint and find category league value. I, I don't think you can do that in a points league. He's not playing enough. He's not a volume player. So see you later. Well, Bol Bol. Might be curious to have him on there after he blocked four shots last game, but he played only 16 minutes. We've got old mate Jonathan Isaac allegedly returning on Monday. 16-minute-a-night player who's not a particularly good points league player anyway in Bol does not need to be held with another player getting into the mix who plays ostensibly the same position. I just don't think there's any reason to be holding bowling. In a category league, I don't think I'd hold him either. But in a points league, there's absolutely no reason, I don't believe, to hold on to bowl bowl. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. The NFL playoffs are here, and we're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Lockdown because they're the number one sports book in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. New customers, join today. To get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed. When you place your first $5 bet, just sign up at fanduel.com slash locked on. Fanduel has all of your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player props. Plus, you can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. We've got the NFL playoffs divisional round ongoing at the moment, but there are Super Bowl odds over on Fanduel at the moment. The Chiefs are just marginally favorite, plus 260, over the Eagles at plus 290. Interestingly, the lowest odds, or the, the, the greatest odds, actually, the Cowboys, plus 1,200. Now, I don't think that the Cowboys are going to necessarily be the Super Bowl champs, but that is uh, some pretty significant odds when all they're going to do is uh, take down Brock Purdy to get themselves into the championship game. You can check all that out over at FanDuel. It's all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So football fans, don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets, win or lose, at fanduel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Let's look at um, must roster players. Again, it's a quick run through. These are all players, I think, are top 100 players, rest of season, who are available in 20% plus of leagues. And if it's not your league, then congratulations, your league is on the ball. Let's look at category leagues. Walker Kessler, Killian Hayes, the Cockroach, Mason Plumley, and Jalen Duran. These guys are top 100 guys and need to be rostered in 12-team leagues. 
And for points leagues, a lot of the same names. Hayes, Plumley, Kessler, and Markel Fultz, who I'd actually throw into the category league as well. These guys are all available in way too many leagues. 20% plus is a lot. Go and add them if they're available in your league, even in a 10-team league. These are all guys I expect to be top 100, and in a 10-team league, that makes them must-roster players. Let's look at hot players. The top 100 guys, these are these are top 100 players over the last week, but they're widely available. I've already spoken at length about Isaiah Joe, but let's talk a little bit about DeLon Wright. Is he going to be a 28-minute-a-night player? It doesn't appear so. But it also doesn't appear that he needs to be. His steal rate is absolutely through the roof. He's getting some nice assists. He, he was perfect with his shooting last game. Don't expect that. He's a very like, interesting punt point sort of a guy. It might be seven points, eight points, but then it would be like a three, uh, five rebounds, four, five assists, two steals, three steals, a block. And that's where the value comes in. You're not going to get big scoring. And you've got to look to see whether how, how it impacts your overall points category if you add him. But I think he's a 12-team league player. Pat Williams, and this is only off one game, that big game in France where he put up some good numbers. He's very much on the fringe to me with 12-team leagues. I think he's more of a like, hey, if the schedule makes sense, you can use Pat Williams. It'll be nice where he has six points. It'll be nice where he has 18 points on 70% with two steals and two blocks, and you love it. And that's what makes him like 140th, 150th, 160th. Absolutely fringe, absolutely streamable, um, but absolutely droppable at the same time. But that one game he had in Paris, really good. Talked about Reggie Bullock already. He's playing well at the moment, hitting threes. Opportunity is there. Look, if you need threes, he could be an option. Cole Anthony's in the top 100. I don't buy it at all. There was that game on Friday for the Magic when they just decided they were going to run their bench for the final 16 minutes of the game, and Anthony was able to score well. And then, of course, on Saturday, he did nothing. He's obviously got to be only a punt field goal player if you have him. And even then, the minutes just aren't high enough to me. Grayson Allen, look, you stream him when players are out on scheduled days, much like Pat Williams, but worse probably. You don't need to hold him. Alex Caruso, that's a one-game sample from Paris on those defensive numbers, but that's what he is, right? If he plays 29 minutes a night, I'd be more in on great uh, on Alex Caruso, the rabbit hunter, being a 12-team league player. Quiet. I'm hunting but otherwise, I can't really get behind that as, a, as, a, as an ad. And the last one is Josh Okoge, because he went crazy yesterday. Is that the world that we believe we live in, where Josh Okogie's dropping, you know, multi-category fantasy lines as the best of the night sort of stuff? No. No, it's not. And Chris Paul likely to return. Yeah, Aiden's going to be back, hopefully soon. There's just no way that I... And Cam Johnson was out of that game. There's no way that I look at that Okogie performance. And even like that... He was top 100 based on two games last week because of that one really big performance. Like, it's misleading. Don't buy into it. Don't add him. What, uh, the way of why for deeper leagues. Aaron Neesmith, not a 12-team league player, I think, but he is available in lots of spots. And I would have him, Ricky Rubio, and Isaiah Joe as 14-team league players. Rubio did the thing last game. He is going to be frustrating. He's going to miss games. He's not going to push into big minutes. But five assists, two steals. That's what he can do. That has value in a 14-team league. It has value to stream on certain days in 12 teams. But there's no 25 minutes coming. There's no top 100 coming for Rubio, I don't believe. I think you'll get some nice assists, some nice steals. You could even throw Joe Ingles into the same boat. Assists, steals, and threes. Ingles is probably going to play more minutes than Rubio, but he's also going to be impacted by Middleton and Yanni returning. These are deeper league players. Isaiah Joe, we talked about a lot as well. Nico Batum, good 12-team league. Sorry, no, not a 12. 16-team league player. Gets by on defensive stats and threes. Uh, Gary Payton, that's a steals option with gigantic field goal percentage. You don't see that combination very often. He's not going to blow into 12-team league values, I don't think. Um, the wild thing, 
Jay Sean Tate, don't think I think I've played his sound very often, have I? Even the wild thing's gone well. I can't do much about that. Encouragingly, they started Tari Eason instead of Tate when Jabari Smith was out last game. That is very encouraging. Um, Tate is not a 12-team league guy. Please don't convince yourself into that at this point. And then Eric Gordon, his teammate, is a 16-team league guy as well, who's actually playing probably at the moment closer to a 14-team league value player. Of course, if he gets traded, all value goes away because there's going to be no other organization that's stupid enough to play Eric Gordon 30 minutes a night. I, I, I don't think. I don't think. Let's talk about some other names before we get out of here. The first name on this list is John Isaac. We've been told that he's going to play on Monday via his pastor, which is where we get all good NBA news from. Um, all right, that's great. It's awesome that he's back. Still absolutely no explanation why it took three years to come back from a torn ACL. None at all. Just one of the biggest mysteries in the world when Joe Ingles comes back in 10 months and this bloke takes, you know, 30 months. No explanation. Never going to say anything about it. Oh, I was going to say something very snarky, but I won't say that right now. So what do we do with Isaac? He had some okay games in the G League, but it is the G League. Jaden Hardy averages 30 plus points a game in the G League, and John Isaac did not do that. It is a gigantic step up. Has Isaac proven it in the NBA before? Yeah, he has. But like, what, what's the realistic expectation? Do we think he's going to start ahead of Wagner, Bunkero, Wendell Carter? Absolutely not. Could they start again with that big lineup with Franz Wagner at the two? Isaac and Bunkero, the three and the four? Yeah, they were dreadful when they went with that lineup. As soon as they were able to get some guards back and some spacing back, they started to play well. So I don't think they're going to want to do that. Can Isaac take all of Shumaro Keke's minutes? Yeah, sure. That's zero. Can he take all of Mo Bumba's minutes? Absolutely. That's also zero. Can he take some of Mo Wagner's minutes? Maybe. Can he take some of Terrence Ross's minutes? 20 a night? Maybe. But again, that's shooting, which is important. Can he take Bol Bol's 15, 17, 18 minutes? Maybe. Can Isaac play 25 a night? I would be staggered if that's happening before the end of March, if at all. And I get that people have added him. I just don't think it's going to be worth it. And I think you've got to be in a situation where you can hold and be top of the standings and wait. If you are battling for a playoff spot, I don't think this is your answer. But I absolutely am open to being completely wrong on this. This is not a situation where I go, I know Trey Lyles is bad and he's not going to continue to be an 80% shooter and block two and a half shots a game. That's yeah, you know, I'm telling you, this is not going to stick, right? This is not that case. I've seen Isaac be really useful and maybe he comes out and maybe after three years off, he can just step into a 28-minute-a-night role and they completely blow up everything around their rotation to get him in there and he's averaging two steals and two blocks in three weeks' time. That is a small chance, but it is within the realms of possibility. I just don't believe that it's likely. I'm not going to burn a roster spot on it for a guy who's probably going to be the 200th best player for the next four to five weeks. I don't think that is worth it. Colin Sexton is not a player that I think is worth it either. We talk about these guys like Lou Dort, DeAndre Hunter, who are points players, who score points and nothing else. That's what Sexton is. And then in that case, you need a lot of usage and a lot of minutes, and that's not coming at this point. Now, maybe if Conley was traded and Sexton started and played 33 a night, I would be more interested in using him for sure. But the overall well-roundedness of his game is not well-rounded. There's nothing there in those other categories for me to get excited about. So I wouldn't bother with him. Gordon Haywood's available. He actually was okay last game. The minutes were low, but he added some stats. He started straight away. Um, you have no faith in his injury status whatsoever. But the fact that he's back and you can add him off the wire, that costs you nothing. It doesn't cost you a draft pick. And then when he gets hurt, you move on. All right, he has been bad this season. He's been inexplicably bad with free throw shooting as well. But he's not a bad guy to add at this stage. Grant Williams, well, there's a lot of injuries for Boston at the moment. Brogdon's out. Smart's out. Rob Williams is out. 
you're resting back to back. Al Horford's going to rest. So this is a great opportunity to get some value out of Grant Williams. Gabe Vincent, I, I don't think it's going to last. Kyle Lowry starting. Lowry's minutes, I believe, I believe Lowry's minutes will push up um, as we move through this week, and that'll push Vincent back into a 21, 22 minute a night role, which isn't going to be useful enough. So we don't need him. Tim Hardaway is a good points and three streamer. That's it. Tari Eason, as long as Jabari Smith is out, Tari regular season becomes an option for us especially now that I have a little bit of faith that they will start him after they did that last game. Um, and then when Smith, someone, like, again, this is always context. And I don't blame everyone for not understanding context. But as soon as the someone saw the lineup announced and went, man, Tari Eason's starting. Is this it? Is it happening? Like, no, it's not. It's happening because Jabari Smith was out. And understanding that, yeah, Eason's fine to stream in now while Jabari is out. But there's almost no chance that Eason starts over Jabari Smith rest of season. This is what we've said all year with Jabari, is that they are playing him almost exclusively as a power forward. So in order for him to break out, he needs Smith to not be there. And that's really what happened. So that's fine. But it doesn't mean long-term, I don't think. For the Wizards, Dan Gafford. Porzingis hurt his ankle. I don't know how long he's going to be out. But that means we had Gafford. Yeah, if Porzingis misses three games, Gafford is valuable. He's starting anyway, but he goes from 22 minutes probably to 26 27. And 27-minute Gafford is a 12-team league guy, really clearly. So he is worth an ad until we figure out what's happening with Porzingis. And that will do it for me today. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. And if you're here on YouTube, thumb it up and leave those comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.